1: We are back with an all new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III.
2: I'm Louis Fortell and it's so pleasant in LA. We're doing summer exactly right. The temperature is great. God, I hope it's just as pleasant in all other places all over the world.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you were such a bitch, <laughs> Honestly,
3: that was very mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: gonna start this up with some rancor at our guest <laughs> house. <host.
3: laughs> Um, Yeah, I am Bolly Babalola and I am melting right now in London. It's unseasonably hot. It's like 45 degrees Celsius. It's like Dubai. Um, England does not know what to do with itself. Like Everyone is bright red. (laughs) But they're still outside though. English people are very dedicated to the burning. I don't know why.
1: I will say that every time I've been there, it has been weirdly unseasonably warm. Not this hot. Uh, But it's people have always been dedicated to, they're like, they're in the park, they're out, <laughs> they got to get the heat.
3: They love being outside, even if they're, and also it's just funny because English people are complainers. So they'll be saying, Oh, it's so hot, it's disgusting, but they will still be outside.
2: I just want to say, by the way, that British people are good at complaining, period, though. So I'm really enjoying this. I feel like there's just a layer of, like, (laughs) sardonic remove to everything they do. So it's just, it feels appropriate to me that they have something collective to complain about.
3: Complain about, no, I think it's
1: actually going to bring us together as a nation. Uh, Bolu, I am so excited to have you back on the show. This time you're guest hosting with us.
3: I know, what an honor.
1: We're so excited to get your thoughts on everything uh, that's going on in the world of pop culture. But also, you have a new book out.
3: I do have a new book out, Honey and Spice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You are, you're writing all the books. This is two books and I haven't even finished my (laughs) first one. So uh, (laughs) tell us about Honey and Spice.
3: So Honey and Spice, yeah, it came out last week. It's a collegiate rom-com. It's an ACS, it's an African Caribbean society, which is like a black student union in a fictional university in southern southern England. And my main character, Kiki Banjo, has a radio show where she gives romantic advice to the female populace of Blackwell, where she basically warns them off of Wasteman, which is basically like British slang, black British slang for like an Mm F-boy. And then, of course, an F-boy does arrive to the university Mm. all handsome chaotically just chaotically beautiful she notices that all there's a lot of infighting there's a lot of like John Tucker must die fights going on like okay this is there's a lot going on and I thought I warned <laughs> you guys. I thought I, I thought I taught you guys better than this she confronts him Um, And she also gives a a PSA on the radio show to warn them against this this waste man of Whitewell, which she does him as, and he's not too pleased about that. And they confront each other and there's a clash and through a series of convoluted circumstances that I obviously made up, um, they are forced uh, to be in a fake relationship to salvage both their reputations in the university. Um, But it's also just a love story about community as well. and, And Kiki opening up, he has a guards up learning to be part of the community, making more friends, all of that stuff. It's a love story on many levels.
2: Thank you for phrasing this in terms of Jesse Metcalf's cinema so that we could understand <laughs> that. You
3: know, you know, that is one of my specialist topics. <laughs>
1: That is why Bolu is on the show with us today. She's giving author and also um Jesse Matthew
2: historian. Ref- yes. yes. How
0: does yes. this relate also- to yeah. Desperate Housewives season one? Go. <laughs> no. yes. Oh my gosh. So I mean
3: I could actually do a deep dive on
0: that. Oh, but anyway,
3: we were, you you were.
1: Oh. <laughs> Do you know do you know who directed um John Tucker, most Dye Lewis? Oh god Lenny Reifenstahl? No, who was it? No, it's um, betty thomas
2: get out how interesting
1: yeah also you know from tracy Ullman show she directed oh my gosh, uh, wow. she directed the film um 28 days sandra bullock drying out in rehab she did is uh, wild. the brady bunch movie
2: which is as we've discussed several times in the show the no, the
3: simply like greatest Kenya.
0: movie <laughs> <laughs> i
3: worked on the british the new like british iteration of tracy Ullman show i was a writer's assistant on that show so in a way i directed jesse metcalf and <laughs> <John Tucker>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: i don't know if i brought this up before i went to a junket once for uh into the woods because tracy Ullman's in that right yes yeah and uh i i this sounds like something I would just generically say about any celebrity Whatever, She is the nicest celebrity I have ever met.
3: She's so, she so, so sweet. She fucking rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's lovely.
2: Yeah. She like, I think ended the interview with a hug or something. It was very
3: uncharacteristically yes, gets- rad. Yeah. yeah, She loves hugs and she smells good all the time. I love a celebrity that smells good all the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nicer than Drew Barrymore. Would you say? Oh, living emoji, Drew Barrymore. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. You can see
2: the tears are that size. Like they belong in a text.
3: Oh,
1: actually, I love her. one of my favorite things that happened this week was just the internet collectively deciding they wanted to defend Drew Barrymore.
3: I know. What's so funny is that I saw the defense, but I didn't see anyone saying anything bad about her.
1: So it was underneath her post, not her post. Someone posted, uh, "I wish I, you know, could like enjoy anything as much as Drew Barrymore enjoys the rain," and then. Yeah. Each response to it was someone being like, well, you can enjoy the rain like this if you have generational wealth or if you're a celebrity. Oh and it's my like, God. the rain the rain is free, bitch. <laughs> we
2: should wow. we should say we're talking about a video where that Drew Barrymore posted herself where she is rhapsodic that it is raining. And you can picture I the know, kind of that. glee, the uh, Chloe Fineman-esque glee that she uh, – uh, conveys to the world. But anyway, it's so a, a caricature of what you think Drew Barrymore is and then
1: she actually yeah. is that thing. is
3: that. <laughs> the internet is such a dark place. How can you twist Drew Barrymore's happiness to something so bitter?
1: It's like, poor people can enjoy the raid too. Let me t- <laughs> the, cl- the The climate change is for everybody. Climate
3: change is for all. does <God laughs> not discriminate.
1: <laughs> uh All right, so we are excited to have um, Romance Expert. Uh, That's what I'm dubbing you now here because we need to talk about celebrity rebranding this week with um, Bennifer 2.0. They are married.
3: Living, living, living. I adore it.
1: I'm so happy. I'm so happy. My Leo icon. So we'll get into that. Uh, Also... I wanted to bring up this topic, and I'm glad to have you here this week for it, but uh, Anne Hathaway recently covered Interview Magazine, and truly everyone on the internet was breathless about these photos, and so Mm -hmm. excited for Anne Hathaway in general, and it crossed my mind that this truly would not have happened like 10 years ago.
2: Oh, the opposite. We would have been like, how dare she put all these photos in front of us? (laughs) We're sick of it. Stop trying so hard.
3: I can't remember why people didn't like her.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get into that as well, and also we're gonna get into quite a bit of music this week. Our guest this week is Haley Kyoko.
2: If you're a bop oriented person, this is the <laughs> podcast for you. You made it,
1: sweetie. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. This week on a bonus episode of X-Ray Vision, an interview with comic book writer Jason Aaron about his iconic run on the character Thor, which is the basis for Thor, Love and Thunder. Plus, Jason digs into the mailbag to answer your questions. Listen to new episodes of X-Ray Vision each Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: On the latest episode of Imani State of Mind, it's time for a check-in. What do you do when the news and state of America make you feel hopeless and anxious with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the right to abortions in many states? The ladies break down the impact this ruling may have on your mental health. Listen to the new episodes of Imani State every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand... All right, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez married in Las Vegas over the weekend, 20 years after they were first engaged. And truly, everyone I know was shocked that she filed her marriage license under her new married name, Jennifer Affleck. But if you'd seen the special 20 years ago in 2003... The Dateline special, uh, where she was cooking at home, um, you would have heard her say that she was planning to change her name to Jennifer Affleck back in 2003 as well.
2: And it would have been weird then, too. I don't like it. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, JLo.
2: No, uh, JF. It's a, see, listen to me talking. I sound like a
3: monster. Grow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look at me. This isn't you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think about J Lo and Ben in general, Bolo?
3: Oh, I adore it. I adore it. <laughs> J Lo is a lover girl. She's an unashamed lover girl. She loves fully, boldly, unashamedly. And I really, really admire it. And I actually kind of I think second chance love is what we call it in the in the romance world. Like that's the trope, second chance, when like two lovers reunite again after years of being apart. And I think I like it because it takes a lot of courage and a lot of faith and i think that's at the core of love and also i just feel like it takes a lot of like we're evolved now we're grown sometimes you have to grow apart to come back together again and i i like that it gives space for that you know sometimes you need to like go away and work on yourself before you can actually come into a relationship ready for it so i'm i'm a huge fan of it i mean she's glowing the pictures she posted weren't even like good quality but you can see the happiness she was like i don't even care about the quality of these pics they're going to see me beaming. I love that.
2: I am a fan. That said, there's something treacherous about the era of around 2003. Just we don't exhume much from that time period. Like if I suddenly threaten yeah. to marry Dance Dance Revolution right now, you should be worried. You know what I mean? Like what's <laughs> what's wrong with Lewis that this is reentering his life? So I am excited just because also like they're now both true showbiz veterans, you know, so it feels like there's a different kind of shared experience and a, and a different shared yeah. level of Of A list fame that they've had for a long time, too, where it's like, well, do you expect her not to marry somebody like that now at this time? You know, so like, why not somebody she's, you know, tried a couple of times and, you know, can confirm is still hot?
1: I'm going to object to 2003 not being a time um, that we don't want to revisit. Because let me tell you, 2003 was one, the debut of the OC. Okay. It was um, the debut of newlyweds Nick and Jessica.
2: Okay, sure. Don't need to see that again. Moving on. Summer <laughs>
1: movies. Freaky Friday. Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle. We Dad had... Martimari
3: was the, the boy.
1: Okay. Top Model debuted. From Justin to Kelly dropped that summer. Uh, oh, yeah. The actually,
3: AFI I can't shut I've up been...
2: about From Justin to Kelly. I
3: can't <laughs> <not laughs> <not laughs> believe I've actually seen that film. There's no reason for me, a little girl in London, to have seen that. To see that film,
1: I actually have a question. What was American Idol to you?
3: Like that's the thing, I didn't really watch it because they didn't really show it. I watched just from Justin to Kelly for some reason. I think I knew of it from afar, but I just didn't watch it.
2: Which reminds me, did you then watch World Idol, where they put Kelly Clarkson on and she she had to compete against all these other nations and she lost? No.
0: Yeah, very
2: under-described moment in pop culture history. We did so much weird shit to Kelly Clarkson before she, you know, broke
1: away famously.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Good, good one.
1: (laughs) Um, I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention that... um, the Lizzie McGuire movie and Dangerously in Love from Beyonce also dropped in 2003. No. So.
2: Two, okay. Dangerously in Love, that is a specific 2003 high point. Almost everything else you said was a sad or middling reboot. So that's what I'm talking about.
1: Fallout Boys debut album i hate that fucking era i hate their weird lyrics i hate i hate
2: men in those jeans i hate spangly belts next
3: it's so funny because i was i am re-watching season three of one tree hill which is around that era and they're talking about podcasting they're like Mm. yeah there's a podcasting this thing it's kind of like a radio show We can download, download it onto your ipods and it's just so cute and so quaint all Out Boy appeared, they're, like, doing a little gig at the, like, you know, the town cafe. It's all very sweet. So things just, pop just felt a bit purer then, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's very, you know, like Gilmore Girls, like that time. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, now you can't get away from podcasting. But I would say I've yet to see podcasting, like, really sort of done well on a show. Well, it's a, a
2: it's it's a hard Except medium me, to make me, compelling, you know. It's like, in, 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 there, there yeah. weren't many TV shows about ra- making a radio drama, you know.
4: Yeah, that's true,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Frasier. <laughs> that's true.
2: <laughs> that was the opening segment, and they moved right along.
1: You know? <laughs> Recording a podcast now is um. Like, only murders in the building, which I love. Uh, and like so much better in season two. Yeah. Uh, they give her more to do this time. Uh, but they're like running around with their audio equipment. And I'm like, I know that podcast is awful to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> the sound quality sucks yeah. on that podcast. Yeah. I'm just going to guess.
2: I-, I can't picture Martin Short, yeah, like doing the levels <laughs> before they start recording no. or whatever.
1: <laughs> um, but going back to J Lo, I actually am very excited for her too. You know, I feel like I feel like she and Ben are the right level of toxic for each other.
2: <laughs> no, there's that's a suspense hot. to this for me. You know, it's that's like hot. where could this possibly go? It's like a little, it's mostly good, but a little bit bad, and I like that.
1: I like that.
3: I think that's why they attract each other, though. They're the, like you said, it's the right kind of mess. They get each other, and also they're grown. Like actually, it's kind of refreshing to see two celebrities who are around the same age find each other. That happens very rarely. You're like, okay, you've been through the same shit. You're both grown ups. You've got kids. You know, you've been through some stuff. And what I liked about JLo's like, um, newsletter, she was like, you know, we're bringing our kids together as, like a blended family. I'm like, you know what? Good for you guys. Good for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of other celebrities who've married the same person twice.
2: Oh, well, you got your Elizabeth Taylor, of course, and uh, with Richard Burton. But they remarried... Somewhat after they had separated. So there's not like a grand, you know, generation long gap between their marriages. Emily
3: mm-hmm. um separated from his wife and then got back together with her.
2: And that's Emily Blunt's sister, famously.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's his second wife.
2: Mm. You know, mm. a, well, a marriage I brought up that I'm very, uh, that I'm a fan of is Anthony Edwards and Mayor Winningham. And Anthony Edwards and Mayor Winningham were in a movie in the 80s at, called Miracle Mile that no one remembers. That, that does have some fans But they met again Doing the DVD commentary for it Some years back And now they're married So that's pretty cute
1: Okay uh, Well I mean Natalie Wood I'm sure she regrets Getting remarried to Robert Wagner Well we can't really ask her Can we? Yeah <laughs> Yeah. her sister her sister was on keep it I think true. her sister would agree that she regrets it yeah right.
2: It's, yeah, it's in the book that she made a mistake I think yeah
1: also I am I am sorry side note I, it is very weird to reference the fact that Natalie Wood's sister was on this podcast talking about her sister's death
2: it was among the weirder times in my life I'm surprised I was there
1: for it but yeah.
2: <laughs> and former Bond girl Lana Wood yeah <laughs> <laughs> also I, I have a question have we gotten Ben Affleck movies recently oh no we did The Tender Bar what else has he done recently
1: as the resident Ben Affleck stan <laughs> um, yes, please tell us well the last movie we got that he was in was Deep Water and I don't like to talk about that film no I, I mean I don't like Shallow Water why am I even going to go to the deep I know <laughs> yeah. uh, Adrian Lynn Lost His Mind uh, while directing this film, and it is... I don't think you should be able to disrespect Patricia Highsmith like that.
2: No, there should be a, a gay screening room where we tell you if this is actually going to go wide. You know, you
1: have to meet the Carol bar, otherwise it doesn't go out. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have uh, Anna DeArmas in that film, and it is actually... It's so ex- interesting to me, like... Him going back to JLo, but like right after this like very public Anna de Armas situation. Very,
3: very strange relationship where they walked around like zombies as well. Like you never really saw them happy together either.
1: Like Sean and Camila. Yeah, that was (laughs) the most zombified relationship. Yeah, that was so weird. Mm -hmm.
3: He looked like he was held on the hostage. Like it was, it it was distressing to see.
1: Yeah, and so like I'm very happy for him as well because I would actually say that um, Ben Affleck has always sort of been one of my celebrities that I tend to like a bit more. Like at least on film, it's interesting that he was sort of like he was like movie star you know mm. and when you think about people who are movie stars now and like sort of like command a box office you know you really we really sort of have like Tom Cruise left you know and it's like you wonder sort of what happened with Ben Affleck but I'm like it was his relationship with j that happened that sort of destroyed him as a sort of A-list celebrity because Lee and shit happened uh, yeah. but I think he's back to it I
2: feel like over the years he's gained a sort of like f- fandom and and I and I want to say it's because there's like a resting angst about Ben Affleck where you just want to tell him it's okay or something I, I want yeah. someone to explain that thing to me that he Ben looks Affleck a, has he looks
3: a little, yeah he looks a bit tortured you know like there's some inner turmoil going on you know and you want to be you want to be like it's okay babe it's okay everything is going to be okay
2: I can actually I picture know. J-Lo saying it just like that too, so I feel yeah. like you've actually okay. <laughs> deciphered something
1: you know what's you know what? I was uh um, shocked by like looking at Ben Affleck's um, filmography. you know what show I completely fucking forgot about uh, that he was a creator of Project Greenlight? Push Nevada.
2: right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that very short-lived show that was was, was it a um what happened on that show again?
1: It was a federal agent went to a small town in search of, like, a missing $1 million, very sort of, like, Twin Peaks-ish, start Derek Cecil and um, Charlotte Horvat, but um, it was sort of like the audience was watching. This is a very weird time in America, but uh, the audience was watching the show, and, like, you could sort of, like... Solve the mystery right. too. I
2: was gonna say it reminded me of The Mole or really? something. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: When was yeah. this?
3: What year was this in?
1: Like 2002.
3: Oh my gosh, so it was like a very early interactive show.
2: Yeah.
3: That's so interesting.
2: And then of course he was in the Jenny from the Block video,
1: and then you know we were on the fence I mean, about him for a when, while.
3: That's that's when I took notice of him <laughs>
1: <laughs> And then pivoted to director, and then um, was Batman. The grumbliest you know, Batman. The the Charlie
2: Browniest Batman.
1: What do you think? Do you think he and George Clooney are one, still friends? And two, do you think they talk about their time as Batman? Mm,
3: good question.
2: Well, Batman is both the case of like the iconic character you want to play. And also, I just don't believe an interesting character at all. So, at uh, all. you know, I, he again, he said something bad happened to his family and he seems to be into detective work. That's all there is to it. <laughs>
1: Michael Keaton's the only one who's given me like an interesting Bruce Wayne.
2: Right, yeah. yeah I, and maybe the Lego Batman? I don't know. You couldn't pay me to watch that. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, speaking of rebrands, um, I do want to briefly talk about Miss Anne Hathaway because she covered Interview Magazine and everyone was breathless. And I truly want to pinpoint the period when Anne Hathaway was cool again.
2: Well, I want to say about her... Is this Renaissance more to do with there are lots of lovely photos of her where we don't hear her speaking, and the people who hated her once upon a time did not like the tidbits that came out of her mouth because she sounded "quote unquote" too theater kid. So is she it... was literally like a list Leah Michelle? Yeah. Wow, it's rarely been said like that, and now I'm jarred.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? I think those was a time we were very cynical, so like that kind of earnest energy that she she radiates was kind of cloying to some people. I mean, I'm a huge Princess Diaries fan, a fan of the books. So I was very, you know, I was very kind of, as I was like 13, 14, I was ready to judge her. I, I'm not going to lie, when she came on Princess Diaries and I loved her and she had this kind of earnest charm that worked for that kind of character. But I think that in that kind of age, it's very easy, like, like, that cynical, like the cynicism kind of made that, energy that like theater kid energy very jarring and cloying and corny and disingenuous and i think now we've kind of pivoted to the other side because we've gone through so much darkness you know what you're like this is re- really refreshing like uh, just a woman who loves what she does she loves her husband she likes pretty dresses and she thinks what she does is very cool what's wrong with that you know
1: mm-hmm. um i would also offer that james franco helped oh yeah Because hosting the Oscars opposite James Franco earned her a lot of sympathy.
2: Well, I I don't know about... I, I feel like people dismiss that Oscars out of hand entirely and blame the both of them, not realizing he did most of the worse work. On that uh, telecast, whereas she seemed pretty game for it. I think also the thing with Anne Hathaway was in her initial roles you just brought up, Princess Diaries and Devil Wears Prada, she played like a, a relatable person, and then suddenly she was in every movie, so she was like supposed to be relatable to everyone, and I everyone, think it was easy yeah. to get sick of that quickly. Matched with the fact that she was suddenly had this ascendant Oscar moment where it it just felt like like every mm. light in the universe Leigh was pointing Biz, towards Anne Leigh Hathaway. Biz
1: was the Lady was the height of like people disliking her, right?
2: No, I think this is it can be summed up by the first line of her Oscar speech. People rolling their eyes when she said it came true. You know, the, you yeah. know that whole thing of oh, that's too cloying. It's too, it is disingenuous, etc. Yeah. And she herself did interviews later saying like people got sick of me. I had to disappear for a second. But at the same time, I just want to tell people like get into cloying people. I'm sorry, like, like yeah. they've got mm. something we all need. So you know, uh-huh. I'm not saying it's always like like yeah. we, we all cringe at things sometimes but cringe is also good sometimes
1: cringe is good And yeah. she did she did disappear she did the hustle that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well she had that weird couple of years where she did like song one and those kind of weird little movies i will yeah. say from that period the intern is still an iconic classic i was,
3: gonna, I was actually gonna talk about the intern yeah
1: yeah, more more people need to recognize how great the intern is. Actually, she
3: was also in a love and other drug with um Jake Hall, which is actually quite good. It's kind of like a darker.
1: I like ad- that film a lot. Actually, yeah, I, I really uh, liked like, it. It's one of like his sexier films. Actually,
3: I love that film. And then she was in a not so good adaptation called One Day, yes. where she played yes. a Brit. Like she did a Yorkshire accent, which is very hard to do even as a British person. But then, as American, it was just really bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't, great. <laughs> yeah. it wasn't
1: a great accent. Song
2: yeah. one in one day fill the same spot in my head of, oh, remember when Anne Hathaway did that? Because m- m- all of her other moments are these very high profile, you know. She-, she doesn't have, like, a long list of weird
1: indies under her belt, for example. No, now, I would just sort of say, like, Colossal. That was like
2: among the riskier choices she made, and I think it's a semi-successful movie, but it really doesn't fit in with the here-comes-the-giant-Anne-Hathaway movie-we're-all-expecting vibe we now have with her.
1: Yeah, And of course, her um, best um, indie flick is The Witches. So
2: <laughs> well, Now, when she dared to step into Angelica Houston's shoes, I got a little yeah. testy, because those <laughs> shoes are twisted, and no, nobody's feet right. fit in them. <laughs>
1: uh... All right, Uh, when we are back, uh, Lewis and I have a chat with Haley Kiyoko.
0: If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R A K U T E N.
1: She is a singer, songwriter, director, actress, truly everything and known by many as Lesbian Jesus. We are thrilled to welcome the keep it the iconic Haley Kioko. Hi. <laughs>
4: hi thanks for having me what a fabulous intro truly I'm <laughs> i
1: blessed. mean also I'm i also should have included that you played velma in scooby-doo <laughs> as right. well because that's iconic to me and lewis
2: also oh, thank you also true queer legitimacy i mean if you only had done that you would you would yeah, deserve your own float in the parade <laughs> yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs> could have ended it there yeah totally well, it's
1: so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being here. And thank you for this new album, Panorama, <laughs> which is... Did you hear kind- it? Did you listen to yes, it? Yes. Yes. We heard it. We were, we were sent it. And uh, it's really good. I mean, I've, I've been a fan for um, quite some time. And this album is just, it's really, really fun. Uh, Thank I'm you. so excited to talk to you about it. Um, and also, like, your first single that came out, uh, I didn't even know that it'd come out. Truly, a friend of mine, Garrett, uh, I woke up to like a text message from him, and it all it sa- it had a link to the Spotify, uh, <laughs> and it said, uh, In case you didn't know, Haley's releasing Bops. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Wow. Can I hire him to uh, work with me? <laughs> That's amazing. I love it.
2: I read in an interview that you said recording this uh, album with uh, your producer Danger was somewhat challenging. What what is challenging about recording an album like this? I want to hear these step by step. Like what's like a grueling day recording an album?
4: A grueling day recording an album is like I'm trying to think like worst case scenario is probably trying to find the right chord change during a certain point in the song, like on the pre or maybe the chorus isn't lifting the way you want it to. And so just like trying all these different chord progressions and then also maybe having to rewrite a certain lyric that's like very simple like it's like a two-word thing or a three-word thing and you you know it needs to be clearer but you're not exactly sure what it is maybe you're you've lost your voice from recording four days before um and you're also having to approve emails and and figure out all this other stuff like outside the studio so that's probably like uh, or danger and I disagreeing on something and him being like, I want to do, I think it should be like this. And I'm like, well, I don't want you to get rid of this piano part. Cause I love it. Like there were a lot of moments where I was just like, this needs to be here. And then we would like mute something. And then a lot of the times he would be correct. <laughs> we would mute it. And I'd be like, oh, this is way better, but I'm an Aries and I think he's a Pisces. And so we would just you know there will be some moments like that but i feel like like the best relationships challenge each other and i think that that's why i was so grateful to have him as an executive producer on the album because i was craving someone to challenge me um, to hopefully help me get to uh, get make this record the way i wanted it i wanted it to be heard
1: okay and then we have to talk about you working with Danger on this album, <laughs> because for you know our listeners who don't know, danger is like iconic uh yeah, legend. I, i'm talking I'm talking, gimme more yeah blackout ice, four minute yeah. sexy back what goes around comes around i'm this is the music that was like you know what my college soundtrack and i'm just like what is what did this mean to you um working with danger was this your first time working with him um and sort of what was it like working with someone who would like made so many pop songs that are like you hear these in the club still
4: yeah you do it's still bumping it was and you know it was an honor to work with him and i was very grateful that. He, you know, I I wrote most of the album before I brought it to him. And so I was just really grateful that he believed in me and saw the vision and saw kind of like what I was searching for and needing. And he really helped me kind of balance the fact that I love like walls of sound. You know, I grew up listening to like indie music and obviously I do pop music. And so finding that balance of, hey, here's some walls of sound, here's some journeys, but also let's create space for your voice to be heard and i think as a defense mechanism or an insecurity i've always kind of tried to distract from my voice a lot of the times producing and um i was really grateful that he gave me that gift on on this album
2: is it at all awkward figuring out like how much of the time you should be defending your instincts and how much you should be ceding to, you know, an experienced producer? Because you obviously want mm. to be like Madonna hard and like believe in every single ambition you've ever <laughs> had and never give up. But at the same time, mm. you know, you're with this person who's authority in another way. So is it is it tough to like relinquish ego or if it's even ego?
4: I'm sure, yeah, there's definitely ego involved. I feel like it's very vulnerable for an artist to bring someone... In to be like, hey, not necessarily critique me, but challenge me to help me get to a place that I want to be at. And so there was definitely moments where, like, if you wanted to get rid of this piano, my ego was hurt because I was like, I wrote that piano, I love that piano, (laughs) you know? But then you like sit with it and a couple days go by, and and it is it was interesting to navigate because some some conversations I would win and some conversations he would win in the sense of, like, I agreed with him, right? And so as an artist, you don't like to agree. Like, you just <laughs> like to, like, do everything yourself and just call the shots. But I think there's it's also important as an artist to really collaborate and also listen to your collaborators. But everything on the record, on the album you hear is a decision that I stand by and that I made and that I believed in that felt right to me, to my core I was never forced to do anything, um, and I was just grateful to just have like almost a mentor and a coach to just kind of stretch me in places that maybe I felt a little uncomfortable or scared to to go down a certain path, and um, that was more of the relationship. And I think that it's important for artists to have those types of relationships to grow.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to ask a bit too, a bit you know, being like. Um a queer artist in this era right now where I feel like, you know, like I'm friends with um Vincent, who you just did a song oh, nice. uh, with recently. And um I, I've, I've talked to him about how interesting it is that now when you go to like pride or like when you have like mm-hmm. uh, when you're marketing, you know, even towards the LGBTQ community in general, now you actually have, queer artists who are performing now instead of, you know, um, before we had the designated divas who were the only people who would play uh, events. Like, what's it like, you know, being like, you know that you have at least an audience who is there to support you um, and you actually get to play for them now? Or do you feel like you sort of have that, um, support built in um because i feel like as for lewis and i as you know as gay men i feel like we find that it's often hard for gays or even sort of support other gay artists um they constantly want to listen to you know like straight women in pop music um and you know what's it like for you i guess on the lesbian side of the music spectrum
4: uh I, I'm i just really grateful to have found my community and people that just make me feel understood and seen. And I've always said that, like my fans have really made me feel like I've arrived and allowed been allowed to really share my true authentic self. And I love being able to celebrate with them, especially during Pride and being surrounded by people that are, similar to me and, uh, you know, there's nothing more powerful than community and support. And so I love Pride. I love being able to perform at Pride with my fellow queer artists as well. Um, Also love the allies as well. And um, yeah, I I guess it's, you know, I'm a lesbian and I feel like gay men and lesbian women have like different experiences and different like influences. And like you said, like a lot of gay men listen to like straight, uh, you know, pop artists, which is funny, too, um, which is like probably a whole nother conversation. But (laughs) I feel (laughs) I feel like the lesbians listen to me.
1: (laughs)
2: But by the way, speaking of even further Queer legitimacy So you appeared on RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race And you were mentored, in fact, by The the other lesbian Jesus, Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That show, to me, is so Mm -hmm. one-of-a-kind To me, it feels so vulnerable-making it Mm -hmm. Well, at the same time, of course, empowering It's the whole point of the show But what did you come away from that show with? Was it... I mean, it must have been so emotionally exhausting i assume
4: yeah well for those of you who have watched the episode you know i literally was crying the entire <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. like it was like eight therapy sessions in like two days it was insane i felt very vulnerable i <laughs> i've always felt very uncomfortable with my femininity and like heels and like I don't know. Just having that attitude and that fierceness, uh, because I've always just felt more comfortable in like hoodies and sneakers. And so, in my mind, I was like, okay, drag—that's feminine. That's high heels. That's this. That's that. And so, in my mind, I was putting that in a box. And when in reality, uh, being in drag is just allowing yourself to take shape and of and form of whoever you are or want to be. And so. It was a really vulnerable emotional experience. Bandy was like holding my hand through it all uh, <laughs> because it was all these dark fears. Uh, from my adolescence like my 5 year old self was really coming out because i was like i'm not safe like i don't feel comfortable like this is this is not who i am and it was like why was i tr- why was i even trying to be someone else i'm not like let's just be queen elizabeth and walk down that runway looking like a cotton candy marie antoinette
0: <laughs> and like <laughs> if, if i'm
4: going to like maybe you know get a little more masculine with it then that's fine you know and so it was an incredible experience. I honestly highly rem- recommend anyone to experience drag because you will learn so much about yourself. You'll be able to heal so much, so many parts of yourself that you thought that you had already healed. And I think that that's kind of the experience that I went through.
1: What's it like when you are taking on an acting role then? you know, um, Do you feel sort of that same sort of... Um vulnerability um when you are stepping into a role that's not your own or is it more freeing if it's sort of like an acting role you know where you're just you're just sort of you're reading lines and you don't have to really like expose yourself as much as you do in drag uh
4: yeah i i that's a great question i think that drag feels more vulnerable just because it's more in my experience, it felt more personal. I feel like when when you're acting, you don't take it personally because you're playing someone else and like all of these experience and these things obviously they're they're real and the emotions are are true and there's a lot of passion, but it's also there's like a separation where you're not taking things personally and you're you're in it to really focus on that character and you're trying to protect that character and not yourself and with drag, I was really focused on myself and uh, and that relationship that I had with myself.
2: Also, just talk about promoting a pop album in general, period. And by that, I mean, it feels very hard to sell music without everyone just hearing it. And what is it like putting into words what you've done musically? Because it feels to me like a musical brain is just one particular brain. To turn it into this other thing of like, Go listen to this. It's music, that thing you already have a ton of. Like, what is it stressful to like get people to listen to music?
4: <laughs> uh, well, I feel like there's a lot of amazing music out there. I do think it is a challenge to uh, verbalize the experience that my fans will feel when they hear the album. Uh, there's no exact science to it. Uh, because it really is an experience you can't like tell people what they're gonna feel they're gonna listen to it and they're gonna feel it uh, but it is an album that i'm so proud of it's a more refined version of myself and i hope that my fans listen to this album feeling seen heard understood empowered uh validated by their sadness all, all of the above uh but yeah it's it, you know as an artist it's It's even challenging to just do like an album cover, like their graphic design or merch. And it's like, okay, how do I sonically take what I just created and put my heart and soul into it? And how do I put that into a one image, a visual representation that embodies all 13 tracks, all the highs and lows. Like, you know, and for me, I'm an Aries, like I put so much pressure on myself. Um, I'm a perfectionist and everything. I'm like, this image has to say everything. And this has to say everything. And obviously that's why I put so much time and effort into my visuals. I direct all my music videos and with all my artwork, I, I want it to be art. I want you to want to frame the artwork and put it on your wall and and be able to look at it and feel safe and be able to escape in it. But it's challenging. It's not easy. And I definitely get stressed out when I'm like, okay, now it's time for album artwork. Okay. Now it's time to uh, verbalize (laughs) this entire experience into three sentences. How do I do that?
1: Okay, but you did it, though, because if you hadn't brought it up, I was going to bring up the album art because I love – I feel like actually like maybe if you grew up, you know, like in the era of like the pop music from like the early 2000s or even love like, you know, like 80s and like 90s, like diva pop, like the image of – your face just on the album cover you know you got like slightly like uh wet like tussled hair it looks like you're staring right into your soul i'm like when i see an album cover that is literally just like the artist's face like that it's like i know what i'm getting (laughs) i truly do and i'm sure lewis can reference other like album covers that like are literally sort of like that
2: Oh, I love a a straightforward. My my favorite album of all time is Exile in Guyville by Liz Fair, and that's somebody in your face, you know, looking straight <laughs> ahead. And also, yeah. it's just like it, it it lets you know, like, all right, I'm going to learn about this person. And also, mm-hmm. they are they are determined to say something. You know, it's not just the music mm-hmm. itself. There's statement making going on.
4: Yeah, I well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I it was very very vulnerable because I mean. You know, I directed Girls Like Girls in 2015 and I didn't put myself in it because that was, uh, I don't know, safer, made me feel more comfortable. And so I think like as a human, it's a lot easier to focus on other people than yourself. And so part of this like healing process and falling apart and putting myself back together during this, this whole album process was okay, I need to do something that makes me feel really uncomfortable on the album cover. And it wasn't being naked because I feel very comfortable doing that. It was, let me put my face on the cover and make it extremely close. It just makes me uncomfortable to really put myself in the forefront. And that was part of the process, even with Danger, with allowing my voice to be heard. Like, I want, I need to allow myself to be here and and meet the moment and be heard and and allow that confidence to really meet me in the middle. And so it was very vulnerable to put myself because I would prefer to have my album cover be like, I don't know, like a stick figure or something. <laughs> it would be a lot easier and cheaper. Uh, but thank you. I appreciate it. Because I do look at the album cover and I'm like, you got this, Haley. <laughs> <How are>
1: you
4: <laughs> <going>? <laughs> You're looking uh, good.
1: <laughs> and not just, you know, like the process of promoting an album. You're promoting an album this summer where like, Literally everyone is dropping music right now. I mean, you've got yeah. Lizzo's album just came out, you know, um Beyonce so is coming. Uh, same day, is,
4: July twenty ninth.
1: Oh yeah. And, Twins. And you you and Maggie Rogers. Yes. yes. Oh, Maggie
4: too. Okay. Yes.
1: You you both were like, you know what? Here we are. <laughs> and yeah. I can't wait to listen to all i like I've already gotten the joy to listen to yours, but I'm like, I can't wait for like all three on that day. It's just like it's I love just, like, having a wealth of music to listen to these days. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask, like, when you are promoting your album now, like, do you find, like, can you listen to, like other music like right now are you excited for other albums coming out right now or are you just like stuck still in the tunnel vision of like i'm promoting this my brain needs to be like focused on this album or now that it's done and you're just promoting it are you just sort of like Mm -hmm. i'm good like i don't need to like be immersed in like my own music right now
4: yeah it's kind of like that i uh when i'm writing an album i don't listen to any music and uh, so I'm very, like, isolated in that sense, but I'm promoting my album, I definitely listen to all the albums that are coming out and music and I can enjoy myself and be like, okay, the album's done. I just need to get it out there and let, let everyone know that we back.
2: <laughs> Who are the uh, artists that you, when they put out music, you're the first person to download it? Are you super avid about anybody in particular?
4: Uh, that's a really good question. There's probably a lot of people um, that doesn't immediately. I mean, Arcade Fire is like probably number one. Uh, Coldplay.
1: I love Coldplay, and I've I've talked about this before, but um, it was like when because Lizzo's new album has like a song called Coldplay with uh, samples. Coldplay oh, I haven't on heard it. it yet. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and it samples Coldplay, and like one of my favorite things is just sort of like. The fact that like coldplay has this like black fan base uh, mm-hmm. and i love when like black women like female artists too have like sampled coldplay in songs um brandy on her album aphrodisiac samples coldplay twice um uh, references coldplay uh i mean it's not the same thing but you know like frank ocean even has like a coldplay sample too so i'm like yeah i am a big coldplay fan so i'm glad that you brought them up <laughs>
4: yeah we we love we stand for sure there's there's i'm sure there's so many artists but uh i also like post malone i like when post malone drops i know i normally i'm always like oh what did he drop and i listen to it his new album was great yeah i know I, i i i like those vibes um but yeah big sean too i listen to big sean um yeah my 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 musical library is very eclectic and all over the place
1: no. No, I mean Big Sean's also one of my favorite performers. Uh yeah. I saw him at Coachella recently. And it's always always a great just like live performer. And new song out too. Uh, yeah. with with Ellie Golding, which I was you know, I listened to and I was like, Okay, she's back. I'm a a, I'm a I'm she a gold left. digger again. That's true. <laughs> it she does feel left. like
2: everybody <laughs> is back, except of course Rihanna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: she been back. That's true. Place.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here, Haley. Uh, thank yeah, you thank for you. thank you for this album. It's 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 like really is something fun, something for the summertime, and it's emotional and like vulnerable too. Uh, and I really feel like people are going to get to know you as an artist, but also like get to know you as just sort of like who you are in general.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I I named the album Panorama because I just wanted to celebrate the the highs and lows that we go through and also reminding yourself to love yourself along the way. And I think so many times like you go on a hike with your friends and you wait to get to the top of the mountain to take a photo and to, to take it in. And it's like, why aren't we taking it in at every step of the way? And even if we're You know, going through a hard time or in like a low valley or feel lost. Like we've overcome so much to even get to that point. And so I hope that this album and some of the records can be a reminder to people to take in the view. All
1: right. Thank you. This is so lovely. What a blast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so
4: much. Thanks for the love.
1: And we are back. With our favorite segment of the episode, it is Keep It Bolo as our special guest. Why don't you go first? Lay
2: it on us.
3: Love Island. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Definitely. It's, I've never watched, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of straight men anyway. Right. But something about Mm -hmm. this show has my hatred is at an all time high now. They're like gaslighting, but also fundamentally it's like very mean in a very mundane way. Just just saying one thing to, and I know we know it exists, you know, men lie all the time, but seeing it in like kind of this lab rat kind of situation, (laughs) a very concentrated situation, you're like, ugh, you guys are very gross. And you see how they, it's kind of like a pack mentality. You see how they just do things to impress other men. Whilst dismissing the woman's feelings, so yeah, Love Island has made make me hate um, men more. Basically, basically, it's just it's just a, just like a salad of f boys. Just different flavors of f boys.
2: And I'm sure they're cast to be the single worst people alive too. So I'm sure, yeah, no, nobody ever learns. For example,
3: no, 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 nobody ever learns. But the thing is, like, it's so weird because there's a, like, you know, there's a fifty grand prize and it's not a normal situation you know you're not exposed to like books or tv or or you're not even allowed to like write or anything you just have to talk to each other so you see these girls forcing these relationships with these guys because like what else are they going to do there's literally nothing else to do and also there's a chance to win money so it's just all these politics that kind of like make it very sick and twisted i recognize that i'm a part of the problem but yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think it's i just feel like it's a very it's a very strange show that i cannot stop watching
1: i love love island and i also never mind like following your tweets, because like <laughs> I, I don't mind the spoilers. Because so when it airs in the U.S., it's always like a few weeks behind. Uh, but it's, it's really just sort of about watching nothing unfold and yet everything. everything. If you love watching human beings, it's a very fascinating it's TV show. Like,
3: the other day, some guy who was coupled up with another girl, there's this thing called Casimo where they can meet other people. Casa Amor, Amor
1: is iconic. It's iconic. iconic.
3: And she he did stuff with the girl. And we had to watch this guy admit to his girlfriend that he licked someone's tit. That's what he said. And he goes, I licked her tit or whatever, I sucked her tit, or whatever. And he repeated it. And I was like, this is absurd. Like we're just watching this guy talk about <laughs> sucking another girl's tit on TV. And the girl and his girlfriend is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is humiliating.
4: Well,
2: it feels also just like Big Brother, a show we talked about last week, Uh, which, by the way, the UK tends to do way better than we do it over here Um, uh, in that it's an addiction that's extremely fed because there's so many episodes and you have to watch all of them to keep up. And the drama is constantly unfolding. And here, Big Brother's on three times a week. So it literally becomes like an Uh, entire hemisphere of your brain. Like, you have to keep thinking about it.
3: UK people, like, in comparison to Americans, are just a lot less glossy, I think. They're just more gritty. They're just more like, ugh, I don't know. I don't want to say ghetto, but like, they're just much more... Um, They're more rough around the edges, and I think they're more ugh. willing to be exposed. The mask falls up very quickly,
1: you know? So I will n- say... They, they,
3: they stop performing very quickly.
1: I will say, we have a sheen to ours, like, with, like, the Love yeah. Island US. like they're Like, they're very hot, the people on Love Island US, but... I will say that something's missing once you hear someone like with like an Alabama accent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're not that hot anymore. I need the British accent in my love island. Really? Okay.
3: Oh, I find the British accent so like annoying after a while. And <laughs> I am British, I have one,
2: you know. <laughs> That's gotta be tough as somebody who has it's
3: one. Tough, it's you're tough,
1: like this again? You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, the grass is always greener on a different (laughs) island, okay? (laughs) Aesop over here, okay. Uh, Lewis, what is your keep it this week?
2: Okay, my keep it, first of all, is just to the entire idea of this movie, The Gray Man. What is it? It costs $1 billion, and it stars three of the hugest stars ever, and nobody seems to care about it, and it's just going to be on Netflix, and that's that. It's uh, Chris Evans, it's Ryan Gosling, and it's Ana de Armas, and there's just premiere photos of them promoting this movie. And I guess they went to H and M and decided we're just going to buy the outfits here. And then we're going to walk right out of the carpet. It is a, it's such a bizarre pop cultural moment where clearly they're, maybe I just don't understand Netflix. They're either throwing this movie away or they're thinking we've spent so much money on this. we're going to do it lemonade style and just kind of, put it out without much word and then it'll become the biggest movie of all time. Like, is that the, the model now? Like, is that how things are done? Anyway, all three of them seem very confused to be in this movie. And they also (laughs) seem to not agree that it exists either. So I don't know what to do with this movie. I don't know if it's going to be good. What is a gray man? It hasn't been explained to me. It's a color I love
1: wearing. uh, (laughs) And that's that, you know, the Duke from Bridgerton's in it.
3: Which one? Reggae.
1: Reggae, yeah, and let me tell you something. Um, the, all I've seen for the press tour is people constantly, my keep it where my side keep it to that, Lewis, would be people constantly harassing Reggae about coming back to Bridgerton. (laughs) Coming back to Bridgerton. It's like, girl, he's done.
3: It's so funny well, because it actually, literally, because I read the books when I was younger. There's no role for him in the rest of the like. There is nothing for him to do. Like, leave this guy alone.
1: Okay, Ashonda As is not good at freestyling these days. Okay, <laughs> so he he would come back to the show and he would literally be popping into scenes to what? Like, you throw one sex scene in, and then he's just in the background having tea. And he's
3: like just watching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let this man be a star. <laughs>
3: He's begging. He's begging.
1: I read an interview where
2: they talked about how there's potential to recast his role or something. I was like, guys, we need to just let go. Like,
1: do you understand how TV is? TV. Stop and
3: it. And also, I mean, the only pe- the reason people want his role back is because of him. They want to look at him, you know? Right.
1: Okay, so you know what? Go, go look at his other work, okay? Like, there's plenty of other things that he's doing. If you want to look at him. The Gray Man. Yes, the great you know one, yes. <laughs> there there are two seasons of For the People. Oh yeah. That's that cute. you can go back and watch. Okay. The show was cute.
2: Did you see this show? You sound unsure.
1: No, it was an ABC um legal show. It was a Shonda Flop, but which does exist. Um, Off
2: the map exists.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um he he was good in it. I don't know. I wrote what is your keep it this week. My keep it goes to the U.S. government, but why we? I know that. there's many reasons. I know there's many reasons, but specifically, I want to talk about the rollout of this monkeypox vaccine. Oh,
2: oh my God, you're right. It's treacherous.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about. Okay, first of all, monkeypox is back.
2: <laughs> you're you're thinking it went away or what?
1: Well, I mean like, I feel like few people remember like when monkey pox popped up before, but it was very much contained. Um like years ago when it popped up and then it went away. Now it's being spread, you know, through skin to skin contact and you know, like it can be like sexually transmitted. And one, I want to point out that like it's being passed, you know, right now mostly through our community, Lewis. Um, you know, a terrorist. The black community. Uh, yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, one, it's being, it's it's giving me flashbacks to, um, the AIDS crisis, and only that the rollout is being bungled. Um, it's really being framed in the media as sort of, like, this thing that, like, gays just, like, are dealing with. But I'm like, first of all, we're trying to do our due diligence of, like, getting the fucking vaccine, you know? Unlike with COVID, where you had to sort of be, like, um hey, you know, do you want to get this vaccine, Americans, you know, so you don't kill other people and also maybe die yourself? Like, when it comes to, like, vaccines, like, the LGBTQ community, like, they jump on it, you know? Because they don't want another crisis like that right. um, to happen to us. But it doesn't help if sites are crashing, uh, if, um, you know, people can't make appointments. Uh, I was lucky to get one of the... um earlier vaccines when I was back in New York. Um, but they set up like a vaccine center in Los Angeles that is like so far east in Los Angeles that like you're going to see Moses uh, and, <laughs> and like wandering through the desert <laughs> before you even get to that. Center. that it's like, yeah. I, I cannot understand how after COVID we still have this problem. Like, like what is going on?
2: I got emails, uh, two emails the same weekend about having been exposed at various gay parties to uh, monkeypox. And then I went to the recommended place where you're supposed to get the shot. And I did get the shot. I got there early. And so it it was largely problem free. But the people there did not understand that the the amount of people who are quote unquote exposed at these like parties they're like huge so they then weren't prepared for how many people came in which was intense it suddenly within like fifteen minutes turned into fucking Dallas Buyers Club people are like exchanging (laughs) glances doors are in and out people don't know where they belong people are upset in tears they're like they're turning into Karens like 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 that kind of like no but I was here first no but I had an appointment all this stuff it was like utterly confusing and obviously. It's a new situation. You can be sympathetic to the fact that people don't know exactly what to do. But man, it is incredibly stressful not knowing, having to rely on text chains to be like, okay, you can go here at this time maybe to get this. You know, it's like a lot of unsure. It's a lot of, but you have to leave work and you have to get there early and you have to do, and it just feels very um Like there's no the way Los Angeles has no urban planning. It feels like that. There's just disorganization, (laughs) and I don't know the proper pathway to get to where I'm going. Now I have to take three highways.
1: Uh, And the listen, the carrot did jump out in some people I saw a lot. I mean, like, listen, you give you give a white gay man an inch, uh, they (laughs) they will complain about something, you know. And that's also why I'm mad at the government for you know just not being better at this rollout too, because if it's going to be word of mouth. Like, the community spreading the word of mouth of, like, where to get them. You know, like, th- white gay men are going to be texting each other and their friends, you know? So, like, what then happens to gay people of color? Where are they going to find out about these shots, you know? And how are we going to get this info to them? And I'm just, I'm just you know, mostly just mad to it. Like, the, like, conservatives and ugly people who don't have sex online um, are <laughs> framing it as a mostly gay problem, too. Because I'm like... Bisexual people exist, Um, you know. Like there's heterosexual men who have sex with other men, Uh, and this also not just a sexually transmitted disease. Like it is skin to skin contact. Sex is one way to get it, but I'm like, you could get this from like the subway, from clubs and stuff. So I'm like, maybe don't knock people who are trying to get the vaccine early before it starts spreading to um, Kieran and um, Brelin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> on the playground. Because then once that Man. happens, once that happens, you'll be really mad. Right. No, the
2: amorphousness of the messaging is very confusing and very um disempowering.
1: Anyway, I'm mad as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Finch, uh, 1976 best actor, right here. Oh uh, all right. Well Bolo. Hello. Thank you so much for being here this week.
3: Oh my gosh, my complete pleasure.
1: Like, literal icon, I miss you so much. I know, uh, me too. We also still have not had a proper, like, hang.
3: I know, I know, but when you come to London, you must. I feel yeah, like, we, I feel yeah. like
2: a, a Keep It London show is in our future, and then you can guest host like that too.
1: Yeah.
3: I feel like it should be. We need
1: it should be. Yeah, we need to get that together, and you will obviously be uh, right there on that stage with us, okay?
3: Please. Please, maybe, please.
1: We, maybe we'll even get Camila to come out.
3: Oh, amazing! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. I was so I was actually so disappointed that the one time that you were like here in LA, I was in like Amsterdam. I
3: know. All this is spring. The problem? Are like your jets
1: setting. Yeah, you know, we, we keep what missing happens? each other. That's 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 the rom com trope we're living in. I You two are going the distance. Two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Well, of course, listen, you were on the podcast before uh, to discuss Love and Color, which is also available. Read the book Love and Color if you have not. And also go and get Honey and Spice, which is out now wherever you get your books. I love saying wherever you get your books.
3: Officially a U.S. bestseller, too.
1: Okay. Fuck yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's so fucking exciting. I'm so happy for you.
3: Thank you. No, I'm really excited that it's just out there and interacting with the world now. Because <laughs> I'm writing it. So it's it's good. I'm glad it's out there now. It was worth it.
1: Good. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, Baloo, for being here. And thank you to our guest, Haley Kiyoko. We will see you next week on Keep Thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Ward. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III. And Louis Votel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroot, Nara Malconian, and Delan
2: Villanueva for production support every week.
0: The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.